0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, November 7th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. Methadone clinics are often viewed as a step toward allowing people addicted to or dependent on opioids a path forward to get their lives together. But the way that methadone is typically administered and the strings attached for beneficiaries of methadone treatment is unconscionable. So says Helen Redmond, filmmaker and senior editor at Filter. We spoke in September. Just as for the elucidation of listeners, how effective is methadone at helping people give up more powerful drugs that could be more disruptive to their lives?
1: Well, it's considered to be the gold standard of medication to treat opioid use disorder. It's been studied for 40 plus years, it's safe. It works. Uh, it is harm reduction. It cuts the death rate for, for people who can get on the medication. It cuts the rate of overdose death by 50%. That is truly amazing. So this is a medication that has potential to save hundreds of thousands of life, of lives. The problem is the methadone clinic system. That is a system of harm production. And that is why we need to close down methadone clinics and move to a pharmacy dispensing
0: system. And for people who are taking methadone, we can predict fairly accurately that these are people who do not want to be either addicted to or dependent on uh, more powerful opioids.
1: I don't know. Um, I guess that's up to each individual to answer. Uh, What I do know is that when people are prescribed methadone, they want to take it because it saves their lives, it allows them to get back on track, to not be in the crosshairs of the drug war, which is being carried out in part by the Drug Enforcement Administration, which is unfortunately a regulator of the methadone clinic system along with SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. So people want to take methadone. Many want to stay on it, but it is the clinic system itself that makes it extraordinarily difficult to get into treatment and then to stay in treatment.
0: It's it's fascinating that you mentioned that the the DEA and it's should, bears repeating that the DEA is both charged with enforcing uh, our nation's drug laws from the federal level and also regulating a system which would uh, allow people to you know be not be targets of in the drug war
1: exactly and the clinic system is actually a front in the war on drugs because. The origins is under uh, the, the Nixon administration back in the 70s, but the Nixon administration worked closely with the Drug Enforcement Administration to create this clinic system, which is very carceral in nature. People who take methadone are controlled. They have to go six or seven days a week. They are subjected to constant urine toxicologies to see what is in their urine uh, there's man- mandatory counseling and so this is very much a-, a system designed by drug warriors to control people and disproportionately the people on methadone are people of color so it's a way to control uh, people of color and there's been a lot of, argument and discussion within black communities about the role of methadone clinics. And one of the loudest critiques is, is it, it's about social control. And I agree with that. This system controls people's lives. It forces people to make the clinic the centerpiece of their life. I'm opposed to that. There are many other countries who have a pharmacy-based dispensing system, and they don't have drug warriors involved in the dispensing of medication. So a key uh, reform in the United States is to get the DEA out of medicine, out of methadone, out of buprenorphine. And that fight has been put off for too long. And one of my hopes is that doctors will begin to stand up against the DEA because the DEA targets doctors who prescribe buprenorphine, They prescribe, if part of today's panel, Representative Norcross wants board-certified addiction specialists to be able to prescribe methadone to patients outside of the clinic system, well, guess what? The DEA is going to register those doctors to do that. That is going to be a problem. We've seen it with buprenorphine. That should be the cautionary tale for us. Doctors don't want to be surveilled by the DEA. They don't want to have their offices raided. They don't want to lose their license to prescribe opioids. So the minute the DEA gets involved, things become very difficult for doctors as well as patients. So getting the DEA out is central to saving lives, right? Over 100,000 people died of a fentanyl-related overdose last year, and the DEA is in part responsible for that.
0: So if we want to get rid of this whole system, and there are presumably several states that would like to move ahead with a, a more liberal policy, that is to say, meeting people who are dependent or addicted on other opi- to other opioids, meeting them where they are, you advocate uh, a system in which... Pharmacies can just dispense methadone as needed.
1: Yes. And actually, methadone is already in pharmacies. Any practitioner, physician, nurse practitioner, uh, physician's assistant can prescribe methadone for pain. So it's already in the pharmacy and being dispensed. And so it's just common sense. It doesn't cost the government anything, right? Moving to you get a month's prescription of methadone to treat your addiction at the pharmacy. It, it should be really easy, right? Again, the government doesn't have to put in a trillion dollars to create a brand new system and staff it. The medication is already at the pharmacy. We just need the DEA to change the rules. And that is to allow any healthcare provider to prescribe methadone for addiction. That's that's what we need. And then to get the hell out of medicine.
0: So one of the the points that uh, Jeff Singer my colleague here at the Cato Institute likes to make is it is that it is profoundly uh, unfortunate that we have police effectively, police and by extension lawmakers, effectively practicing medicine in the United States.
1: I absolutely uh, agree with that. And again, how, the question for me is how do we get them out? I think there are many of us in the drug policy world, in the drug treatment world, that want the DEA out. And so the question is, how are we going to get them out? I I don't have a blueprint, but one thing I think is vitally important is that doctors begin to stand up and demand the DEA get out of their lives. Doctors do have a lot of power. I mean, I know that doctors fear the DEA, and I understand that fear for sure, but they are like making your life a living hell. They threaten to take away your license to practice medicine or prescribe medications. They come to your workplace and search it. And they've incarcerated a number of physicians. And so I, one thing I think has to happen is that doctors begin to stand up against this police power. And it's really a tragedy that they haven't for 50 years. Uh, the DEA is about to celebrate <laughs> 50 years of existence. Uh, again, a national tragedy. You know, if you look at Portugal, their drug treatment system is completely divorced from their criminal legal system. And that's exactly what we need in the United States
0: so something you mentioned at the the panel and for people who want to uh, dive deeper into this subject matter you can watch the uh, presentation from uh, September 13th 2023 at the Cato Institute on uh, methadone access something that that you stressed in in your discussion was the the disincentives that are used to effectively coerce obedience by people who are dosed methadone by methadone clinics. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: It's we call it the culture of cruelty, and that's absolutely what it is. the The sheer cruelty on the part of staff toward patients. It's staggering, and I've witnessed it. I've been in methadone clinics, and then as a journalist and a filmmaker, I've interviewed people all over the country and internationally, actually, about their experiences. And this culture of cruelty, it comes directly from the DEA. So methadone was, a re- the, the origins of it, again, is to control people of color. And how do you do that? you create a clinic system that essentially doesn't allow them to ever get out of it. So the culture of cruelty includes having to go to a clinic six or seven days a week. Now think about that. Can anybody get somewhere six or seven days a week exactly on time during these narrow windows where they can get medicated? We live in an era of climate change. Every time there's fires in California or there's a tornado in the Midwest, or there's a hurricane. I I think about people who are trying to get to their clinic to get medication, right? So that's part of the culture of cruelty that you have to be in attendance six or seven days a week. And if you're not, you're punished. Constant urine screening, the toxicologies, that's everything in methadone clinics. I'm hearing a lot now clinicians who work in methadone clinics say no 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 we don't we don't we don't use them we just use them to have a conversation that's not true I've interviewed lots of people who say my urine tox is positive for alcohol it's positive for cannabis and they took away my take-homes or they increased my dose or lowered my dose and I wasn't uh, on board with that that's A central part of the culture of cruelty: the constant surveillance of urine, and in some clinics, they still there's observed uh, urine toxicology. So a staff person is in the bathroom with the person, looking at their genitals while they urinate. It's humiliating. It's degrading. It's unethical, right? And so then you have you also have a, a situation where people have to, and I'm using the words of the clinic, earn the privilege. Of take home medications. So prior to the pandemic, it could take a person two years to earn the privilege of taking home a week or two weeks worth of, of medication. So this clinic system oppresses people. It, you know, the other thing that's foundational about methadone clinics, and again, part of the culture of cruelty, is this massive power differential. So you have a group of people who need access to methadone, like oxygen, right? Methadone, you have to take it in order to stave off withdrawal. It's not like, oh, I won't take an aspirin, the headache will go away. I won't, I'll, I'll skip a couple of days as this, this antibiotic, whatever, right? Methadone's not like that. The staff who are behind the bulletproof plexiglass window have your medication. You have to go there, you have to follow the rules and regs. And if you don't, you don't get your methadone. You might be punished in some way. And this incredible power differential between patients and healthcare providers, it doesn't exist in any other healthcare setting that, that I, I can, I can think of. And that makes patients very vulnerable to abuse from staff. It makes them Obedient and compliant, and scared and anxious. I've interviewed a number of people who have told me when they're getting ready to go to that clinic, they have this anxiety: Are they going to get their medication? Are they going to get their take homes? Uh, is the urine toxicology negative or positive? I I had I I spoke with a woman. Uh, she made the quote mistake of eating a poppy seed bagel and was concerned that her urine toxicology would come up positive for for opioids because she ate a poppy seed bagel. This is the level of cruelty and power and control that exists in clinics. And a lot of people don't know about it. And I'm making it one of my goals to help people understand what happens inside meth- methadone clinics. They're very closed systems, just like jails and prisons, difficult to get in. They don't want cameras coming in. They don't want... Uh, transparency. And so that's what I'm trying as a journalist and a filmmaker to bring to to, to methadone. We have an, a golden opportunity to eliminate uh, clinics, to abolish them and move to a humane system where people have dignity and respect and can go to CVS once a month and pick up their medication, pick up methadone.
0: You mentioned the, uh, the ways in which People who are uh, being treated with methadone end up making the clinic sort of the central part of their lives. And, of course, that's natural that 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 would be the case for those people. Um, But also, I, I can imagine just being integrated into society more broadly, the fact that you might have to travel a considerable distance multiple days a week will interrupt your ability to have a thriving Family life, to have a a job (laughs) that you can do uh, with great regularity, all because uh, you know, essentially a federal agency has uh, determined that this is the way things are going to be for you.
1: I think you're right. It disrupts people's lives, and for any listeners out there who want to continue this inhumane. Apartheid, siloed uh, from the rest of our healthcare system. I I have a challenge for you. I want you to go to a methadone clinic. Let's try to set it up. You go to a methadone clinic seven days a week for a year, and see how it disrupts your life, and see if you would, would then not be for. This isn't even. It's not even a radical reform. This is. This exists in other countries, right? pharmacy dispensing in britain new zealand canada australia we're not reinventing the wheel here and the quality of life when you can get a prescription once a month like every other medication in the pharmacopeia it's kind of incalculable right i mean again in interviews that i've done with with people they have to everything has to revolve around getting to the clinic so work and family vacations try to take a vacation When you take methadone, you have to have earned the privilege of enough take-home bottles of medication. Say you're going on a vacation for two weeks, right? That is the, that is how controlled people are. You have to ask the, the clinic for permission to go on vacation in order to get enough medication. You're not free right? People on methadone are not free. They cannot get out of this clinic system that oppresses them. And so that's why it needs to be eliminated. That's why I have no interest in reforming a clinic system that is foundationally built on cruelty and is regulated by the drug warriors at the DEA. There's nothing worth reforming in that kind of a rotten system,
0: Helen Redmond is a filmmaker and senior editor at Filter. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily podcast wherever you please. And thank you for listening.